What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. The following episode is part of the Off the Chain automation series, sponsored by IOTA. The goal of this special series is to explore the intersection of distributed ledger technology and automation, specifically around digital currencies, digital wallets, and machine-to-machine transactions. My core belief is that every stock, bond, currency, and commodity will eventually be digitized, and distributed ledger technology will empower the full potential of automation to be realized. IOTA is the sponsor of the automation series. Their mission is to support the research and development of new distributed ledger technologies, including IOTA Tangle. The IOTA Foundation encourages the education and adoption of distributed ledger technologies through the creation of ecosystems and the standardization of these new protocols. You can find out more about the automation series and IOTA in the show notes. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got Christoph here. I'm super excited to uh, talk to him about a whole bunch of things. Um, so thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it, um, I'm, I'm enchanted to do that. For sure. So Christoph, you, you've got a very different background, I think, than most people who come on to uh, the podcast. So let's maybe start there of what you did kind of before you got to Software AG, and then we can talk about the company and what you guys are doing and how you see blockchain. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. You know, I've been in the in the software industry for about 30 years. I started as a self-employed uh, developer at the time when you had uh, the first PCs. And uh, I was actually into standards, implementing standards that might be interesting later on. I implemented an EDI converter in, uh, in C and I sold it commercially. So we had about 50 installations of that uh, uh, thing. And that was the time when you had to connect via modems uh, to the central authorities and people were phoning up and complaining that the red lights on the modem would signal errors when instead it was uh, the functioning of the device. So I, I know a little bit of uh, development, but then I um, studied uh, theoretical physics at the Technical University, which uh, was about electrons in liquids and and that's very uh, that has kind of um, influenced my thinking that had a lot to do with uh, computer experiments uh, so we invented some formulas and checked them we simulated them on computers at that time we also brought uh, our institute uh, to the internet remember that was uh, before 1991 we didn't have the World Web Web invented, so it was uh, anonymous FTP. It was uh, it wasn't Discord at that time. It would have been called or, or Reddit. It was called Usenet News. So history is going to repeat itself. And uh, I knew a little bit of networking stuff. I picked up you know, a little bit of TCP/IP uh, stuff, which then. 25 years later proved to be invaluable when we did a little bit of IoT uh, messaging debugging. So it was um, the networking thing which drew my attention and then I changed uh, to Atos. At that time, it was a subsidiary of Philips, you know, the Philips uh, Communication and Services data processing provider, where I immediately was responsible for new stuff. We had a screen phone project. I was the first one to 
deliver local area networking projects, you know, with the switches. They, you still had uh, Ethernet yellow cable for those who, who knew that or who still remember that. And I was the first one to pick that up and we were very successful. I became leader of a business unit. And then, which is already proving um, to be beneficial, is we founded an strategic IT consulting department where I developed a few methods and uh, concepts which come in handy. I wrote some some papers actually, which have been quoted over 100 times about systematically aligning business and IT. And I think that is also what uh, still makes uh, the, my background interesting with IoT. It's always uh, and also with blockchain, it's always uh, you have business needs, you have technology which could fulfill that how do you match that? There is an impotence, there is resistance. They don't fit always together so neatly. So that's my, actually my, my profession. And then after ATOS, I joined Software AG because I've never been into software. It was uh, something new. I always have to uh, change to something new after a couple of years. And there I was responsible as a chief IT architect for our integration offering. This is classically enterprise integration. And I picked it up very well, you know, it was the time of service-oriented architectures. It was a new thing again. And with the background of a theoretical physicist, I'm not afraid to talk about meter models, about architectures, about, you know, the, the, the difficult stuff. If I don't understand it, I'm a little bit, you know, exaggerating and I have a big mouth. Uh, my wife uh, uh, would know how to counter that. So, Yes, if I don't understand it, let's work together, not just me, but there are other people out there who know as much as I do. And together, you can move, you can push forward organizations. And in that uh, respect, I we then founded, I think, two, one year ago, the CTO office at, at Software AG, where I'm responsible as the vice president for innovation and architecture about for the, for the thing, how new stuff gets into our product. Of course, we have research and development. We have people who are developing the software, doing product roadmaps, but usually those products roadmaps stop 15, 18 months in the future. But we know that there are technologies like blockchain, like artificial intelligence, maybe quantum computing, which take longer than just 15 months for implementing. You need to have a platform strategy, how to implement that into our stack. It's not just a single product. We have a platform and we have that on-premise and, and uh, in the cloud. So it's a little bit more difficult than just writing an, a driver uh, for that. And this is where I'm responsible and uh, also taking care of IoT and distributed ledger technology stuff. The title, VP of Innovation and Architecture, already signifies that we are not indiscriminately adding new stuff to our software. So the innovation is not uh, restrained just by budgetary issues. That, of course, is always a topic, but also by the long-term strategic architecture we have? Where do we want to have the, the platform in five years? Are there any visions? And actually, I've been doing, I've been coming up with visions. It's, of course, internal. But we have a, a picture of that. And the interesting, the innovative part of that picture is, especially with regard to completely new technologies, that one person or two person cannot predict the future. 
it's always path dependent. We know that people, the customers will influence the way how IOTA evolves, how um, other artificial intelligence things evolve. So it's a co-evolutionary field of play, innovation and architecture, uh, then interplaying. And I'm a very structured person. So if you have ever seen my, my notes, uh, just have a look at my Twitter uh, profile. These are live examples from workshops I do as an architect. Architecture helps me and our clients and our top management and the developers to organize our thinking. So the combination of business and uh, IT and technology is uh, has been highly interesting for the last uh, 25, 30 years. And I think it's uh, never going to stop, honestly. Yeah. And, and so we, before we get into what you guys are doing at Software AG, maybe give us some insight into uh, kind of the decision to go join the company, right? You, you'd spend a lot of time kind of building and starting companies and, and in more of an entrepreneurial kind of smaller organization environment. Um, and then you go and you join Software AG, which uh, for those that don't know, is really, really large, right? It, it's got 10,000 customers, over 70 countries. I was reading online that it's the seventh largest software vendor uh, Indeed, yeah. in, uh, Europe and the second largest in Germany behind SAP. Um, it, it's just a massive company. Like, what was that decision framework like, and, and kind of why make the jump to uh, to Software AG? Yeah, actually, I was uh, coming from a, a large organization myself. When when Atos, when I left Atos, it was about seventy thousand employees. So I have a, a corporate background. It was only in the beginning that I had a, a very small, um, a self-funded company. But after that, I'm a pure corporate guy. Yeah. Um, so the question was, uh, one of one way how to see it: why to move from consulting and services to software? And the honest reason was. I've never done software before. It was just interesting, new, and it was integration. There was a lot of, of, of new things coming and happening. I didn't want to go to SAP because that's boring. You know, it's like uh, the purchase order and you implement that with ABAP. I mean, it's, it looked boring from the outside. Integration looked like uh, no one really knew how to combine all the different uh, applications. You ended up with hundreds of them. Uh, so. That looked interesting uh, to me, and yeah. I've never done software yeah, software before. And, and so maybe give us an overview. As you sit in kind of the innovation um, office, help us understand, like, what are the new technologies that you guys are spending the most time on outside of blockchain? So blockchain we'll get to in a second, but what are the other yeah, sure. technologies that you guys are, uh, are spending a lot of time on talking to customers with, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, IoT and uh, the industrial Internet of Things, uh, the, which comes in phases. And uh, many companies still are in the first phase asking us and talking to us, can I connect that device? Or I have a very large machine. It's 20 years old. How can I connect this beast of a machine? There are no sensors built in, and I'm not going to exchange and throw it away for just something new. It has been working flawlessly for the last two decades, how do I bring those old robust machines to the Internet of Things? And there are a lot of proven technologies. What is interesting here is the need, the requirement for edge computing is gaining more directions. We can um, fulfill that. You know, the hyperscalers have, uh, have had difficulties in the past. They are catching up, uh, however. So you have something local. You have an IoT platform in the cloud. Combining that uh, is um, where we see a lot of discussions uh, going on. But honestly, IoT has been invented 10 years ago. The new discussions are around how can we leverage 
artificial intelligence? Can a machine learning algorithm learn from the mistakes from the of the operators, from the from the errors, from the signals, the malfunctioning signals from the machines? You know, predictive maintenance sounds easy on uh, on paper, but if you if you go to the machines, you look at the limited number of sensors you have. It's really almost an engineering and and uh, philosophical uh, thing how to find uh, the 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 formula, the rule for indicating that something is going to need maintenance before it breaks down or before it trivially, I don't know, a bioreactor that gets too hot. That's trivial. And so a few of our tools, Trendminer, for instance, already incorporate artificial intelligence to support the end users doing that. Because many organizations say, I don't want to go to the IT department. It takes six months before I get a specialist. So how can I self-service my analytics, my artificial intelligence intelligence things? And that's we can't answer all of that uh, today. But this is where a lot of discussion uh, is happening. Uh, because the implementation of true predictive maintenance algorithms is hard work and there is no substitute for hard work you cannot buy that somewhere on the shelf so that um, artificial intelligence also for using it in our own platform like uh, predicting the next step of the users i mean we have 10000 users um 70 use our of the top uh, 500 or fortune 1000 use our integration scenario i mean our software knows how SAP systems integrate with cloud systems or how your local database integrates. We have tons of examples. And for us internally, how can we capture that, analyze that, and you know, graph databases and all that thing, an engine, how can we use that wealth of neutral information? Uh, that we are not collecting personal data. It's just how, how are devices, how are machines connected to each other? If we can collect all these and we are in the process of, of uh, uh, setting them up in the, in the technology in the CTO office, but that's also on the strategic horizon, that would tremendously help the customers and ourselves. So that's uh, besides uh, distributed ledger, uh, some of the topics we are discussing. For sure. And one of the things that um, I think has been a, a recurring theme on, uh, on the podcast is uh, a lot of people talk about these individual technologies as kind of silos. So they say, you know, what's mm-hmm. your AI strategy, what's your blockchain strategy, wh- whatever it is, especially for large companies. But all of these technologies are interrelated, right? Th- there's definitely yep. kind of a um, a collision. And, and a lot of the products that are being built today uh, take various aspects of the technology in order to build that final solution. I'm assuming that's what you guys are seeing uh, and what ultimately led you to start looking at blockchain in relation to the other technologies? Absolutely. Uh, the, um, Software AG started uh, in the 1990s uh, as an integration company, you know, on-premise integration of the 100 or two or 500 of applications. That's going to explode the requirement for integration in the, in the software as a service world. We have a tsunami of cloud applications. We, we're not talking about 500, we're talking about 5,000 in large corporates. I mean, I mean, 3M, one of our customers, has, has simply 150 plants. Imagine every plant having 10 cloud applications, I mean, which is uh, obviously an, um, totally an underestimate. So we have thousands of those applications, and this is where SoftRidge is. Honestly, we are, this is really world-class offering in our integration. Uh, so 
integrating yet another technology, which is looking like a silo, like AI, like blockchain, was a natural thing for us to do and think how would we be able to best integrate it into kind of a single cohesive integration platform because you it, it needs to be bigger than just a single piece of software. For sure. And, and so wh- how do you guys see blockchain itself in terms of um, where customers are, uh, you know, kind of interested in using it? Um, and then what is your guys kind of evaluation of, uh, of blockchain in general um, in, t- in terms of how it can fit into some of the products that you guys are building for folks? Yeah, they had, we had we started thinking about blockchain in in, uh, in earnest, uh, I think three or four years ago, uh, with a little bit of technology prototypes how that fit fit into our products, but also with a strategic assessment, what what type, what piece of technology is distributed ledgers, and it was very clear uh, that um, uh, DLTs are in a in an early stage of the technology readiness, uh, despite the fact that. Uh, the um, Satoshi Nakamoto paper has been uh, published uh, 10 years ago, uh, 11 years ago. So it's an early stage technology with, and that's important, with non-linear networking effects. Winner takes it all or strongly increasing returns and network effects mean for a straight, from a strategy perspective, if you do a little bit of um, MBA strategy talk here, that you cannot think you cannot um, in uh, the, um, the, the come up with a point estimate of the future. You will not be able to succeed. There will be equilibria. It will depend on the, the path customers are taking. Uh, there will be punctuate, punctuations where uh, standards have been set and everything will change. So the strategy under such a radical uncertainty uh, cannot be to sit together and devise the best estimate of the future a point but to create awareness internally and externally to to hedge some options like investing into um, iota uh, on various levels and also doing experiments uh, thereby influencing obviously the evolution so what we see is that customers are very interested in talking about blockchain but they still are looking for a compelling use case. We have, uh, if you talk about private uh, permission blockchains, we have technical uh, feasibility uh, in many cases, but what is completely missing is the viability. You know, which customer is going to pay money for a technology when, and that's holding um, blockchain back, when, as a matter of fact, there are other proven, tried, cheaper solutions out there. So the problem for blockchain POCs and other uh, ideas of uh, trying that out is that in many cases, you get other cheaper solutions using a cloud offering. Take Facebook Libra that doesn't need blockchain at all. I've written a blog where I demythologize the Facebook Libra. That's not a blockchain. Any database technology could do that. How many? What, what, a thousand transactions per second? That's ridiculous. Our own uh, Adabas database can do one million. That's, that's blockchain just for surfing the hype. But this is the problem for our clients. They cannot invest in hype just because it's funny to have or, or you get in the crypto community, you have a, a lot of track if you if you do something with blockchain we need to establish viability we need to find someone who wants to pay who is willing to pay money 
And the only way how to find it is to, to provide an opportunity to solve a business problem with blockchain, which no other existing technology can solve at the same level of um, non-functional requirements, at the same level of costs. And that's so tremendously hard to come up with. And that also explains where there are no and I, I challenge the world, whoever is, is, is hearing that, I, I have, I'm not aware of a single productive blockchain installation. And I don't mean that uh, you have sent one ether, ether transactions or one smart contract. I mean that if the blockchain solution does not work, then some manager gets called and you lose money, you lose real money. I have never heard of a single highly productive, like an SAP system or a messaging system, highly productive use case. So we are still looking for that. And for us, for software GD, industrial IoT space with the pressure on operational efficiency, with the partnering, uh, with the supply chain, the logistics problems, the many but not too many parties that would present uh, the best kind of um, estimate of where blockchain would be able to become the only tool available for solving some of the business problems. For sure. And and then one of the things that you mentioned earlier um, as a major focus for you guys is uh, IoT and, and kind of as an extension of that automation, et cetera. Um, maybe let's talk about uh, kind of how you see that um, area of, uh, of software and, and kind of machine-to-machine transactions uh, transpiring. Uh, maybe over the next like five, 10 years. Yep. What are you guys so excited about there? The, the first phase of the Internet of Things and also Industry 4.0 or the industrial internet is obviously connecting the machines, the devices uh, to an IoT platform and sending data. But already at that point in time, sending data, you immediately have the problem or you need to solve that problem. How do I identify uniquely the device from which the data comes. So device identity is something which immediately comes uh, comes into play. And of course, if you have a closed network, it's easy to solve. You get some device IDs. It's difficult to manage. This is why IoT platforms come into play. But if you extend it a little bit to a more complex supply chain, do you uh, who is managing the different IDs of the different companies? How do you do that? And for that blockchain technology or distributed identity systems, decentralized identities can provide and honestly on, are the only technical means able to provide that identity. That's number one. Number two, obviously, if you do some serious business processes with the data you get, then you need to make sure that the data has not been tampered with. So data provenance, integrity uh, is is paramount. Um, Software AG has uh, founded an uh, the, the Adamos Consortium, where we have uh, we are gathering around ten uh, medium-sized champions in the manufacturing uh, world, and. They are thinking and they are operating, actually, we are one IoT platform, but they have relationships with other suppliers. And sometimes one of the use cases touch logistics, you know, repair jobs. It's essential that the data which comes from a device, which potentially triggers a repair ticket, which potentially triggers costs somewhere, that this data is has been vetted, that it's known that it's really 
originates from that machine in that plant because there is money attached to it. And uh, the um, shop floor is very cost sensitive. So, you know, operational efficiency as a measure uh, prevails. So the question of linking the data really to a single device solves a business uh, problem, which right now can only be solved via replicating databases, complicated, trusting um, many different parties, uh, setting up a complex network, which can be implemented much more easily if you go to blockchain. But uh, if you look at the machine economy, and you look, you combine that with 5G, for instance, where you have local cells. It's not always the case, so it needn't be always the case that one device talks to an IoT platform and the IoT platform does something uh, that gets a new parameter for the device, uh, sends a message to another device. The machine-to-machine -machine economy and communication, especially with the advent of uh, 5G and local cells, would be able to happen locally so that one machine sends communication items, I don't know, um, the, the information about uh, the kind of uh, the stock, um, kind of a warehouse or whatever fuels require um, supplies uh, that they need, that these communication types could run locally and only interact sporadically with an IoT platform. So that's something, these kind of machine meshes, uh, which will come in, in the next five to 10 years. And at that level, you need something to account for the transactions. This is where tokens, uh, in the case of IOTA, obviously, it's the IOTA token itself, where native tokens would come into play to provide an accounting. And native accounting means how to reckon uh, you have given me uh, that uh, I'll give you, I'll owe you uh, something else uh, that would complement the messaging capabilities and and, uh, and so as part of uh -huh. this like as you think through um kind of this rise in machine to machine transactions etc one of the things yep. that i've been thinking a lot about is uh is the application of triple entry accounting right you, you basically need some um some kind of blockchain or, or uh shared ledger to um keep track of everything uh especially when it's automated right that the, the uh, transactions are microtransactions and they're happening so quickly, et cetera. Sounds like you guys yep. uh, generally agree with that. Um, and then it gets into, okay, we need some piece of technology uh, in order to, to kind of serve that purpose. What's the process you go through to evaluate which one of those technologies uh, you guys end up either going with or, or uh, you establish that you like? Yeah, the, the, the number one threat um, for blockchain solutions is a central cloud uh, offering. It's always cheap. It's, it's, it's always cheaper. And if the parties uh, trust each other uh, to the extent that they subscribe to the same cloud provider and uh, that, uh, that, uh, that they find someone who is able to manage that, then a central cloud solution is always cheaper than a, a blockchain solution. That's uh, number one. And the second defining element is that you need uh, to uh, you need to have a situation where the participants in that uh, in that business process are not able to find an intermediary. They do not trust anyone, any third party, and it would be too cumbersome to have them in advance agree on such a, on such a party. In Germany, we see that, for instance, there are a lot of independent 
um, insurance companies uh, from the government. You have to be insured as a worker, but they are all uh, peers to peers. So if you have a peer to peer situation and you do not have a natural leader, and then the peers are not not two or three, but five, ten, twenty, then it is very hard to have them agree on something um, on a single provider and have negotiations with them. Twenty peer, twenty person, uh, twenty partners negotiating with one cloud provider. That's gonna be. I mean, we see that with other most. That, that there are limits to how far that can go. And for that blockchain and the standard contracts defined by the particular blockchain API, potentially enhanced by smart contracts, that would be easier to uh, convince the, the partners to hook there. So you need to have a, a kind of a bunch of um, of peers who are so many that it's uh, improbable or highly ineffective and costly that they will agree on a cloud partner. If that's if if that's the case, uh, then blockchain uh, the, the would be better suited uh, than other uh, um, technologies. There are if, if software AG is, is uh, 51 years old now, and we come from the database area. So many of our internal um, uh, well-versed and and um, I wanted to say older, you know, the more experienced database guys, they say, hey, guy, hey, Christoph, blockchain is just a replicated database structure, uh, like like in a new in, in new clothes. And I said, um, yes, it is uh, with a few tweaks but if that's what solves the business problem uh, then however you call it replicated distributed um, peer-to-peer consensus mechanisms the customers of ours are not interested in how the technology is called but whether it solves economically uh, the business problem and the blockchain can do that in that type of setting so we really make sure that there are no competing cheaper alternatives available and proof of concepts are one way how to do that uh, typically however we we rather look into the business process first and do an evaluation and we actually would do two calculations how, ma- how, how much would it cost to implement that in a non-blockchain technology and how much would it cost um, also in the long term like three or five years to implement that in blockchain so that's a really a business case driven uh, approach and then when that turns out to be positive then we go into a proof of concept but only together with customers we are not doing that uh, alone and only in the form of co-innovation uh, projects for sure and, and so maybe give us a uh, an understanding as best you can i know some of this might be confidential or sensitive but yeah. help us understand how you're currently working with uh, clients and, and integrating uh, into their existing systems or building new products for them uh, at the intersection of IoT, uh, blockchain, and automation? Like, like, what does that actually look like in practice for real-world use cases? Yeah, in the real world, we start with our software. We have an IoT platform, Cumulosity. It's uh, together with an American uh, one that uh, the best in the world. Uh, so we would always uh, look how to integrate the blockchain capabilities into that IoT platform. I've talked about edge computing. We have an edge component. For a particular use case, we would look uh, to a customer. We have ideas where blockchain could sit, but we validate uh, those ideas uh, together with a, with a customer that it make sense in a productive or production ready scenario. So we have the platform and then we augment, we extend uh, the 
available functionality of the platform by suitable uh, blockchain code, like running a node, like writing an adapter, like integrating the blockchain data model into our own persistence layer. And we have two major uh, product lines where we are going uh, to do that. One is the IoT platform, Cumulosity, and the other one is the, the classical, uh, quote unquote, integration stack with uh, web methods, also a world leading classical enterprise application integration slash service bus slash hybrid integration platform. And there you um, face similar discussions. You need to interface to some blockchains, probably also to, to two or three blockchains at the same time where our software can provide a link, um, kind of a bridge between the, uh, the two blockchain realms and at the same time uh, connecting to your enterprises. Actually, we have come up quite early with a vision where we see software AG could position itself in the blockchain area. And that is, if you, if you um, um, forgive me the bullshit here, we want uh, to bridge the on-chain with the off-chain world. In, in the case of IOTA, the chain is obviously the tangle. So we want to bridge the on-tangle world with the off-tangle business world of the other applications. That is the vision uh, we have, which needs to be tested uh, every single step forward uh, together with the customer in a co-innovation mode. So that's, uh, we augment our platform with blockchain specific capacities and that has a very varying degrees of difficulties if if we just write a blockchain adapter that's easy we have done that uh, 2016 uh, in, in, a, in a test environment so it's it's uninteresting the interesting part would be smart contracts decentralized identifiers which tie in and would need to be integrated at the core level of products if we really use um, DIDs as the native means of identifying devices in Cumulosity, that, that touches the core of, uh, of our software. So we, we are looking for use cases together with customers, whether, whether and when that makes sense. Uh, so this augmentation, this actually integration in the sense of then we run software, uh, the node software or communication software inside our stack. That's uh, how we would address and, and approach that. Got it. And and then what do you see as the big um, the, the big challenges or or the big needs to see further adoption of this by uh, by software AG customers? Right as you uh, begin to um, incorporate blockchain technology, what are those big obstacles that uh, that you guys are really focused on overcoming? We need to find a use case, a business requirement where there is no other alternative than to use blockchain. That's the difficult um, task. Uh, that's easier said than than found, because if you if you do an honest calculation, uh, then many, if not all, of the business cases, even the you know the, the supply chain tracking, food chain tracking. Honestly, there, you can do that with a cloud application anytime. There is no, or I have not seen uh, any true need uh, for running that uh, via a blockchain. I mean, it's it's hip, and obviously you can do it uh, with a blockchain. But where is the compelling reason? The reason why no other competing technology, which are all cheaper and proven and tried. Where is that case? We are really, and our customers even more so, we are not desperately, but we are honestly looking for that. 
And it seems that this um, use case, this compelling case is very hard to find despite uh, all the hype uh, and, and all the many, I don't know, 1,000 startups in, in Silicon Valley looking into uh, uh, whether they can find that needle in the haystack. Uh, but it's, we are confident that in IoT, we will see that. But we have not, and our customers equally not, we have not identified it yet. For sure. And then um, I know one of the things that you guys are really interested in is kind of this standardization of uh, IoT automation um, and protocols. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, where that um, importance of standardization came from and then kind of how you guys are evaluating uh, the various uh, companies that are doing that today. Yeah, thanks. The standardization, especially in IoT, or I should say the lack of standardization is a pain in the ass, honestly. There are uh, thousands of different uh, adapters and protocols, so it's a nightmare uh, to implement. On one hand, it's good for us because the demand, the requirements uh, for our platform and the services and the integration services of our platform go up. But it's honestly, it, it, it's a very technical step. Nobody's interested in, in, in uh, have how many adapters you use to connect your machine. That just has to work. It's a conditio sine qua non. There's no, one is in, there's, there's no business value in itself. So the more you can standardize things, the easier, the more energy and budget you have available to look at the business results, the business process improvements. And that's even harder because writing an adapter, that's just technical stuff. You put me and, and a few developers, uh, you sequester me for a week and we have it. But changing your business process, that's, I can't do that alone. I need your guys and the customer guys. That's change management. That's the difficult part. And that's where 100 times the value of such a process improvement solution, supply chain, whatever lays. So that's the difficult part. But now everyone spends so much time looking at uh, how to connect things that the budget is then spent. I'm exaggerating a little bit that the budget is spent and you, you don't go looking for, for tough integration business process integration things. So the more standards we get, the easier it will be for everyone to implement the technology layer. And uh, if we look at the, the especially in IOTA, uh, the, the things, um, the talks they had, uh, the agreements with the object management group, Richard Soli, that uh, they are working on establishing IOTA as a standard for the IoT, that would be of tremendous help. And I think, uh, to quote Richard Soli, um, his experience is from, I think, 25 years in standardization. If you have an open standard, we do not want uh, just a US standard. We do not want to have a European Union standard. It needs to be one standard worldwide. If you have an open standard, and open source for implementation. So then anyone could do it. Of course, we would do it, but anyone else also would be able to hop on that standard. That these two elements will lead to mass adoption. And then we will have the, we will have solved uh, the first hurdle. And that is the, how to economically connect to that ecosystem. If we can solve that. And I think, uh, uh, IOTA is uh, one of the few, if not the only one who is working in that direction, then a lot of um, momentum could have been or will be gained, actually. For sure. And, and obviously, um, you guys have spent a lot of time looking at various things and, and uh, I, I believe think that IOTA uh, can serve as that standard. And I think my interest in this is I am uh, mm -hmm. 
very convinced that um, we will need a blockchain or automated triple entry accounting to facilitate uh, machine to machine transactions in the IoT and automation space. Um, what, what was kind of the uh, part about IOTA or, or when you did that diligence that really kind of caught your attention and, and why them over any of the other solutions that you could have uh, gone with? Yeah, thanks uh, for bringing that up. Um, we started a research in and where to invest our time and, and look forward. And IOTA uh, stood really apart by its domain focus. So they, they obviously understand the Internet of Things and the billions of devices as opposed to the 100 or 200 nodes. Uh, they also understand that mining is a bad idea <laughs> for the devices. You can't have that. That uh, transaction fees, if you have billions of devices, then you pay billions of tra transaction fees, you can't have that. If you look at the manufacturer, um, and I did the calculation myself, they have about um, a, large, a large factory of an automotive plant has 100,000 sensors. I mean, if, if I charge a tenth or one hundredth of a cent per every transaction, the costs are going to explode. They're producing 16 terabyte of data in all the plants. It's, it's, no one can pay that. So it has to be permissionless. It has to be transaction uh, transactions without the fee. And only IOTA apparently was able to, to, to identify those requirements and develop from scratch or from, from, from various other sources the necessary kind of adapted um, um, distributed ledger technology from that. So that was very convincing. Uh, honestly, the only thing I didn't, uh, and I don't really fully understand is why they have chosen ternary, the 5.7% um, energy efficiency. So I have not uh, worked that out completely personally, but the clear domain focus on IoT, M2M, uh, and also including uh, later on smart contracts for smart functionality, uh, that was outstanding. If you look at other, um, like Ethereum, uh, how they are struggling in, uh, in, in, in gaining traction, because they are a horizontal, they are like any other general purpose platform. The focus is what differentiates IOTA. And the uh, that was number one. Number two was the technical maturity. So um, I, I like to study blockchains on the level of the yellow paper. You know, Gavin Wood, Ethereum, a couple of years ago. I mean, I could have uh, calculated everything, but that's uh, that's promising as opposed to Bitcoin, where you had the code first and then the, the, um, the, the writing up the, the specification later on. Ethereum was already a definition first, and IOTA definitely has moved that uh, to a higher degree with the IOTA Foundation and the scientific uh, underpinnings of the technology. You know, they do simulations, they have formulas. I'm a theoretical physicist. I could, I, I should be able, honestly, <laughs> to work it out myself, all those uh, probabilistic measures. For the lack of time, I have not done it. I rely on the IF's um, uh, mathematicians. But this is very substantial work, and it's proving that they know that the basis needs to be right. It's like if you, if you, if you buy a new plane, you do you calculate. There is mechanical engineering, aeronautical engineering. It's not someone just hacks around code. It takes much too long. So this was um, something uh, not code first, but approach 
the, the fundamental information theoretic approach first, and then very rapidly afterwards uh, do the prototypes and test it and simulate it. So this cycle was different from the other uh, blockchains. And the third one was also the governance mechanism, which is uh, completely different uh, and will be even more different in the future. I'm not able to say, but there is uh, we actually and, and also the IOTA Foundation and others uh, have been working on something in that regard. And unfortunately, the podcast is a little bit too early. I can't disclose that now. But the governance of uh, IOTA is in refreshing contrast uh, to other uh, to things like Hyperledger, which is dominated by a single uh, company. Um, Bitcoin, you know, is, is dominated by miners and, and factions and, and the others. Uh, the other blockchain. Facebook Libre is, of course, a, 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 a terrible example of uh, a, a monopolist. But uh, the IOTA in that respect is from the day one completely different. And this is inspiring trust, not only in us, uh, because we bet on a technology, but also on our clients. I mean, we can change the software, but the clients would have to change uh, every device probably and the identity. So that's a huge decision. I mean, you can't just change 2 million devices. Uh, yeah, because uh, because we have a hard fork. I mean, that's impossible. <laughs> so you have to be very careful. And uh, all these elements, uh, IOTA fulfilled them in a very exemplary uh, and outstanding uh, thing. So we um, are then uh, joined, not joint forces, but we contacted them personally and uh, the partnership uh, evolved in that. So and, and also the contact with the people, the, the you know I was in the in the Zoom Zoom the summer summit last June or something like that. Uh, there was one day reserved for industry, actually that has never been broadcasted. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it was a vital and very important meeting with not only the developers but with Tom Holger, and you get to know a little bit the feeling of how those people tick. But the governance is larger than individual people, which makes me confident because if, if someone leaves the company, then the spirit of IOTA needs to live on. And the IOTA Foundation, the OMG standardization efforts and uh, some other thing to come are very trust inspiring for us because it's a long term bet, a strategic bet. Will IOTA prevail or someone else? But uh, we are prepared to uh, go with IOTA. Got it. And, and then um, I guess, how do you see the uh, kind of standardized protocol of the automation IoT, so uh, IOTA or, or whoever wins there, um, how does that interface with uh, something like Bitcoin, which uh, is being used as a currency, store of value, medium of exchange, et cetera? Like, how do you guys think through uh, various blockchains for uh, different use cases. Yeah, the number one problem uh, the productive blockchains uh, need to solve is obviously the blockchain trilemma. How can I get scalability while at the same time uh, ensuring sufficient decentralization and security? Uh, Bitcoin uh, obviously is not able to solve that. I mean, with the four transactions per second, if, if you look at... <laughs> at uh, the um, Internet of Things, a single client will produce a 16 terabyte of transactions per day. So what shall I do with four transactions per second? This is that's completely ridiculous even to think about that. Ethereum with Lightning uh, and, and then also the 
mining, you know, I can't have devices mine something. Uh, the proof of uh, stake in Ethereum is still waiting, uh, or we're still waiting on that. So that's the the way how the structure of the tangle and the POW, the simplest spam protection, how the um, confirmation of two transactions as a means to ensure the integrity uh, and to avoid double spending, that was planned right from the beginning. So the fundamental data structure is IoT device oriented. So this, that proved uh, to be a, a deciding factor when we uh, moved to IOTA as opposed to any other um, uh, the blockchain technology. Of course, there are there are competing offers, um, uh, blockchains which claim to have implemented tens of thousands of uh, transactions per second. But if you look uh, into the development uh, area and the governance, then you find a bunch of people, highly intelligent people. But it's uh, that it, innovation is not just having a bright idea. Innovation is the new idea plus the commercialization, which includes the governance, the fearless structure, um, the focus of the IOTA Foundation. And that's the only the only blockchain technology we see that it uh, is, is, is currently IOTA. Of course, um, um, Ethereum, not Ethereum, Hyperledger has a lot of different um, versions of, of blockchains. You could do that or um, R3 uh, in the banking industry. Uh, but this is still in very often dominated by a few, if uh, not a single player. Uh, so um, IOTA was uh, the open, the most open standard. And, you know, we have a, a tagline at Software AG, uh, freedom as a service. And uh, we wanted uh, to live up to that promise. So I cannot then go to a monopoly provider. I need to go to an open standard as opposed uh, to a closed society if I if I really want to live up to my tagline. Got it. And then be before I let you go, my last question is just like, when you look forward in the future, let's say 10, 15 years from now, kind of what are you most excited about um, in terms of uh, the technology in general and the intersection with things like IoT automation? But like what what gets you up in the morning and, and just super excited about what you're working on? The future for the IoT will look completely different because once you have absorbed the connectivity, the messaging, the token, the value transfer, the standardization problems of hooking up the devices uh, to uh, the, uh, uh, the Internet of Things. Once you have mastered that, and in 10 years that will be the case, then you'll see new business processes no one of us has dreamt about. You remember, you know, obviously, when Twitter surfaced, you had the iPhone, we implemented the iPhone in 2007. No one would have imagined the tsunami of apps and what they do for usability and all that. So, and the same will happen. The ecosystem will explode with a tsunami on uh, IoT applications. And that will provide a boost boost in value, which is 10 or 100 times uh, the, 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 the current value of IoT. Um, there is actually a, um, one of the few uh, the, um, things uh, um, which I've seen and come across was uh, someone tried, I think it was, uh, let me scratch my head, um, FSstat, I think Finstrat, they provided a valuation of IOTA and they came up with a value of the token around 100. Please look it up on the internet. But 
this would not even include the machine-to-machine -machine economy. So even if you do it just a financial transaction, the wire transfer evaluation, then you end up with a with a, the, 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 the tokens right now at 20 cent, a 500 uh, the, the times 500. But if you if you imagine the business process, the processes which will run on IOTA in, in 10 or 15 years, the valuation needs to go up by 10 times, 50 times. You will see a new economy. And maybe it's not 10, 10 years, it's 15 years. But it will change when the new, and that will happen over the next two decades, when the new devices, Engel, uh, DMG Mori, all our other mass partners, Dürr, the new robots, the new paint robots are all native IoT enabled. If 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 you find in, in 10 or 20, 15 years, every Dura robot being IOTA enabled, no one would talk. It's like an ATM. Everyone would use that. It's just a standard underneath. And you wouldn't, you just wouldn't think, ah, where can I get the money to, to, to go to a shop and buy something? You would think about which type of shops do I set up? And this is innovation at the next level, honestly. And I believe that, but we have to sort out the technical things first. And then we can uh, really look at what's possible. And I can't even imagine that. And uh, being part of that, you know, it's like when I, when I hooked up uh, the Institute uh, to the internet, I'm still proud that, you know, you configured all the bind daemon and the gateways. And that was something you, you can not only tell your children, they are not interested, honestly, but personally, that's something where you said, uh, yes, I did something and it was, I was participating uh, in, in, in something which was bigger than just software AG or, or your own personality. And IOTA could be um, the same. And uh, definitely it's uh, so enticing uh, that I want to be full in. Absolutely. Look, Christoph, I, I really appreciate this. This has been uh, fascinating to kind of hear your perspective um, as you sit inside uh, the innovation um, kind of hub there at uh, Software AG, given just the size of the business and, and kind of the impact you guys can have uh, throughout Europe um, and, uh, and a number of other countries uh, outside of uh, kind of the European region. Um, mm -hmm. So thanks so much for uh, for coming on to do this, and then we'll have to do it again in the future once uh, once we get farther down the road with a lot of this development. Absolutely, I would love to do that to repeat that with the first live customer. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> thanks for having me. Absolutely, it was delightful. Hey everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to review. Simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.